Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to, depending on where you listen to us, maybe the Oz Network or maybe Double Oz 7, because we're too lazy and busy to record two separate episodes, so we're giving you one that you can listen to on either podcast. Um, if you're listening to us on the Oz Network, go listen to Double Oz 7 some other time, because we've got great James Bond content. If you're listening to us on Double Oz 7, Go listen to us on the Oz Network some other time because we have great content that's not James Bond. But uh, we're here that's to talk okay. about it's wow. I mean, <laughs> when we can keep Ben away from it, like today, because we have no time for Ben. Uh, <laughs> theme of the week. We're here to finally talk about No Time to Die. Six years since the last James oh Bond God. movie. Two years since this movie was supposed to be reviewed here on either show. Uh, but James Bond is back, uh, and this feels like an old Sean Connor trailer. James Bond is back uh, with more Roger Moore. <laughs> Roger Moore. <laughs> uh, but Daniel Craig's final, final question mark. Uh, we're going to be doing this spoiler free, uh, I guess, out of explanation. Ben can't watch this movie because Australia can't keep their virus to themselves. I don't know, <laughs> or they're just much pickier than South Korea or Canada. Uh, but uh, don't worry if you're in Australia. Uh, we are not going to spoil anything here. Or we'll try not to. My name is Colin, and I lost my doo-doo. <laughs> uh, my name is Spoilers. No, uh, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try my best. <laughs> it might have to do some editing here. This will be a tricky one. But uh, you've been sitting on this movie for oh a week God. now. I think you were like literally the first country in the world to get this yeah. and yeah. you you I have had nobody yeah and you've had literally nobody to talk to you about this you've <laughs> been throwing cheap messages around of fake spoilers <laughs> i think or we think they were all fake spoilers <laughs> to ben and i for the last week so i'm gonna give you the pleasure give me your one week old take on no time to die yeah, it literally feels, we waited six years, it literally feels like I have saw this film two years ago. <laughs> the wait has been excruciating. Um, yeah, I was chucking fake spoilers around. I did toy with the idea of putting some real ones in there uh, to, to mix with the vibe. I better, better be, be good. Um, yeah, I, literally, other than the UK premiere, I was one of the first people in the world to see this film. And I went to the cinema, it wasn't even full, it wasn't even half full. <laughs> Good uh, thing there's getting those advanced South Korean dollars, right? <laughs> That's what's going to keep Amazon afloat. 
I don't know why they rushed for the Korean audience because it wasn't packed, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, this is a weird, bizarre experience for me as a cinema goer because I saw the movie and then I'm going online and there's nothing. Like, I'm literally one of the first civilians in the world to, other than the UK premiere, there was nothing. So I was going on Reddit and uh, on Facebook or whatever. And there, it was really interesting because somebody had posted the synopsis on Wikipedia and it was all BS. It wasn't the real... <laughs> And, and there were people going on there getting spoilers, talking about all these things that are happening, and I'm reading it, <laughs> wanting to reply, oh, no, that doesn't happen. No, that doesn't happen. No. So I was in this weird bubble and no one else had seen it, waiting for you guys. Uh, and we should say, because uh, ben, ben didn't even want to know any of our opinions. He's not even so, going to look at our write-up for this episode. That's how determined he is to stay away. Yeah, which has uh, given us a lot of power. <laughs> and why is Ben a stupid idiot? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so we, we should preface that we have literally not uh, shared our opinions on this film. Um, you, you don't know my opinion. Uh, I don't know your opinion. You saw it hours ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so even though this is non-spoiler, this is kind of our initial uh, reaction, and I've seen it twice now. Uh, so I'm I'm so excited. Uh, <laughs> Just say it, say it. I liked the movie. I liked it Good. quite a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, pausing for dramatic effect. Uh, it's not the greatest Bond film but I didn't expect it to. I never go into a new Bond film ever thinking it's going to be the best Bond film. Uh, it's definitely not the worst Bond film. Uh, it's, and I've kind of got the hindsight of I've, I've seen what the public has been saying, so maybe you haven't seen as much as that. It's a film that will divide Bond fans mm -hmm. uh, now and probably in 50 years, it will be a film that divides Bond fans. Um, so it's a polarizing. There are multiple opinions. But at the end of the day, I've seen it twice and I enjoy the film. I, I think I completely agree with everything you said. Um, and I, I was glad because I kept thinking to myself, like, you know, we've gone through this with Bond before with Spectre, where one person who's going to remain nameless and is not on the episode today is an idiot. He ranked, I think, in his top five. <laughs> Um, but, but, uh, even with star Wars movies where, you know, I think we all end up sharing the same opinion, but we're all like, Oh, is this person going to like it? Like pins and needles is basically waiting to hear who's the idiot who liked this movie or who's the idiot who didn't like this movie. Uh, so I'm thinking the last, I don't know, 12 hours now or less than way less than that. Actually, I didn't even realize how early this was. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm like, oh, no, if, if, if Noah ends up hating this movie, if Ben ends up hating this movie, I just know there's going to be tons of fights later on. But I completely agree with you. I thought it was it was a blast of a movie. And yeah, there are things in this movie. And, uh, there are people who I was one of them when when I started not looking at reviews, but just looking at people's basic opinions, you kind of get the idea, oh, this person doesn't seem to be high on the movie. I bet you that there's a reason why. And you start analyzing your head, oh, is it because they did this? There are multiple things in this movie that could divide fans, um, you know, from start to finish. But 
I feel like for the most part, without getting the spoilers, I'm okay with a lot of that. More okay than, you know, I, I thought I would be like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. But just start to finish, this is the closest we've gotten to a traditional Bond movie since yeah. the, the Pierce Brosnan. I would maybe go further and say, even if you take into account the world is not enough and die another day, I mean, this is probably still in some ways more of a traditional Bond movie than those are. And that's what I was surprised at because I think I went into this uh, almost worried. Okay, well, like you said, oh, you know, you're always skeptical with a Bond movie. There's 25 of these movies. Uh, very few of them are like 100%. Oh, they completely nail it. And I was sort of expecting, yeah, it'll be, it'll be passable. And I think it was slightly above passable. And <laughs> we'll, we'll kind of get into, in the end, where we would potentially rank this among Bond movies. But I just, I love that even at two hours and 45 minutes, I mean, this movie is fun. It, it's entertaining. They're embracing a lot of the corniness, the cliches, but in a way that doesn't feel like Spectre, where it's like, we're going to introduce it, we're still playing it super serious. You know, Daniel Craig was having a blast. I mean, this is a classic Bond movie, even if it's not a great, great Bond movie. It's not a bad, bad Bond movie. So it's it's a good middle-of-the-road classic Bond movie. Yeah, I... I'm I'm so excited <laughs> to be talking about this. Is, it's not even a, a spoiler thing, but it's been uh, how long? <laughs> I've literally not talked to anyone about this film. I was telling my workmates, go and see this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I completely uh, agree. Um, and when we get to the one, our reaction with the spoilers, uh, we're going to go wild because there's so many oh, things yeah. I want to say to you right now <laughs> that uh, we can't say. Uh, but I agree, completely passable uh, Bond film. And we should point out the press loves this film. Yeah. The the division is in the... Uh, uh, I hearts. The fandom. Uh, so the only thing I saw before I went in, because no one else had seen it, was five-star reviews from the press. So yeah. I'm going <laughs> thinking, oh, my God, what? Uh, it, I don't know if it's five stars, but I completely agree. This is a... Uh, a perfectly passable Bond film that I could chuck on uh, in five years' time um, and just enjoy. Uh, there, there are obvious issues, and there's a reason why it will divide the fans, which we can't go too much into. But you kind of said it on a different argument. There are 25 of these films. Mm -hmm. So some of the issues that people are having with this film, I'm looking at it and thinking, well, this has been going for 60 years and it's going to go for another 60 years. So some people are acting like some of the decisions in this film are just ruining everything. And it's just, an, at the end of the day, another Bond film. It does some different things, but it also does a lot of similar things. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen it twice now, so I'm starting to dwell on some of, oh, maybe that's a plot inconsistency, blah, 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 blah. But it is enjoyable. And you said... It goes by, people were so worried about the length. And I've said on this show before, I'm not a fan of long movies. I think a movie, two hours, perfect, perfectly paced movie. It mm -hmm. did not feel like the longest Bond film. I've seen it twice. And the second time it flew by. The pacing is amazing for this film. Uh, for the longest Bond film and for an almost three hour movie, it just flew by to the point where I'm thinking, oh, you could have tacked another 10 minutes on the end. There. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think, it, um, 
like I had no problems with the runtime of this movie. Like I, I was not bored at any point. I wasn't thinking, let's just end it already. Uh, there are obvious ways that if they wanted to, they could have made this under two and a half hours. You know, when we get into some of the spoiler stuff, like, well, we didn't need to drag that out as much as we did. Or even with some of the non-spoiler stuff, you know, the pre-title sequence, uh, you know, you probably could have taken five minutes off there. But I'm not bothered by the fact they didn't take those five minutes off. And uh, the same way that like with uh, Die Another Day, they're celebrating this is 40 years of Bond and 20 movies and Skyfall. We're celebrating it's 50 years. I, I feel like this movie should get a free pass for some of the excessive things it does because it's almost been forgotten now that it's taken an extra couple of years to, for this movie to come out, but this is 25. This is the, what, what the silver anniversary? I don't know what that would be. Um, the, the 25th anniversary. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a big number. It's, it's only, as they say many times in this movie, there's one spoiler. It's only a number as we've heard that before. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I, I'll, I'll give it a little bit of leeway with some things because this is a bit of a celebration and also, you know, most likely Daniel Craig's final movie. Um, you you worked out some of the things we could talk about. I'm glad you had a week for this because I was thinking like, oh, we're going to have like two <laughs> things we could talk about. But you've had more time to, to dwell on all the things that you want to talk to your coworkers about. <laughs> but yeah. let's start with the plot because uh, you said some inconsistencies. Uh, I'm going to say... I don't know if there's inconsistency yet because I've seen this once and not twice. I'm curious to see it a second time. I I was saying to Jamie afterwards, I feel like with two hours and 43 minutes, there's a lot of questions that I have where I'm like, wait, did they explain that? (laughs) And it's not that the plot is like super complex. I I don't know whether there are holes in this or if they just said, we're not going to waste too much time in the plot. It could be one or the other. Um, The plot is a little bit convoluted, but so are half of the James Bond movies out there. <laughs> I think that as much as I could walk away from this and say, well, well the plot really, you know, uh, they could have spent a couple extra drafts on that. I don't want to add another two or six <laughs> years to this movie coming out. Uh, some of my favorite Bond movies, I could say the exact same thing about it. So again, I think a little bit of a free pass on some of the inconsistencies you were talking about. I'm so glad that so far we're agreeing on everything because, <laughs> uh, yeah, the plot, I mean, it's classic Purvis and Wade, and it's it doesn't leave a lot to be desired. But because I've had to resort to just reading online things, which normally I try and avoid reading online forum opinions and whatever, because I just people people complain a lot. Um, but the absolute nitpicking and the destruction people are going into over this plot is ridiculous because what exactly is what you said is what I think is most of the Bond plots are convoluted. Most of them don't make sense. Um, Including, you know, Spectre and a lot of Skyfall has holes in it too. Um, Going back to the 60s and 70s, they're all like that. So I get that this is the recent one, but people are absolutely pulling this apart. And it's like, okay, yes, there are holes, but all of your favourite Bond films have holes. Mm. And like, you're going to look analyze the plots of the Roger Moore films. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm, gl- but, I'm, glad you yeah. said, I'm glad you said that because we recently watched the, this is how you know, far we've progressed in our rewatch. We recently watched The Man with the Golden Gun. Uh, and I can't even tell you how many times I've seen that movie. 
Like I know it by heart. <laughs> I don't know what the hell it's about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Jamie's asking me questions like, so why are they going after, what is this Solex supposed to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking it up on Wikipedia and I'm like, I've seen this movie dozens of times. <laughs> Just enjoy Christopher Lee. It yeah, doesn't exactly. Matter. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, I mean, I'm not to give it a free pass. There are some sort of dumb things here. Um, and again, we can't go into spoilers. I don't love the the handling of Spectre in this film. Um, mm. And uh, again, we don't want to go into spoilers. I don't love everything with Blofeld in this film. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to pick it apart too much. There are holes that we'll get into in our spoilers, but I don't think it, the plot draws me in, but it doesn't draw me out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to get some of my negative stuff out of the way now uh, so we can focus on positive. Okay, but I'm you, interested now. <laughs> you, you said how Spectre doesn't work. Uh, I, I'm going to add to that the villain of this movie, Safin. I mean, a lot of hype because Rami Malek, and again, they they really promoted this as, oh, it's going to be like a classic, classic James Bond villain. I agree with it. I know if Ben eventually listens to this, uh, he's going to claim this is just because of my hatred for Bohemian Rhapsody, which I think is like, a horrible, horrible movie. Uh, I, I, I totally, I've said it a million times. I, I totally disagree with Rami Malek winning an Academy Award for being a good lip syncer. Uh, but it's not a knock against Rami Malek. I, by complete fluke, when I finished work yesterday and I'm looking, okay, I got a couple hours to kill before this movie. What am I going to do? I was just looking for any random movie that I could watch that I hadn't seen before. And I found The Little Things, the movie he made with Denzel earlier this year. And so I was watching that, not even realizing, oh, Rami Malek, I'm about to see him. Uh, and I loved him in The Little Things. And and it sort of started and like, it almost feels like he's playing a Bond villain in this movie, but I don't think he's supposed to. So maybe that movie's not so good. Uh, but nothing against Rami Malek, but I don't know. I'm still, you've had a week to think about it. Am I just feeling, well, this was an underwhelming villain? Or is it the fact that they kind of have to split multiple villains in this movie as a result of having Spectre involved and having Blofeld involved that I don't think either really gets to shine as much as they should have. Yeah, again, I agree with you. <laughs> this is uh, our book ranking episode. <laughs> this is what happens when Ben's not here. Uh, <laughs> no fights, no pornography being exposed to people, no storming out. <laughs> oh, I agree. Civilized uh, conversation among smart people who agree. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that's a bit too long for an episode title. But it be title. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I I agree, and I wouldn't say I went in. I, we weren't hyped for Rami Malek, were we? I don't think we even really. I don't think we were angry. He was a Bond villain, but yeah, I agree, and it goes hand in hand with the plot too. Um, I said in my immediate reaction 26 minute recording thing that i did after uh <laughs> that i don't think Staffan's going to go down as one of the all-time greats especially up against uh well christoph waltz which is debatable but then up against silver and lachif um he's no dominic green but <laughs> could you go on record if you take dominic green out could you say that Staffan might be the most disappointing villain since yeah die another day or yeah i i think that's fair brad whitaker (laughs) (laughs) he's the new brad whitaker (laughs) you know what it's it's funny because i was uh 
I, I when it got close to the end of the movie, I kept thinking, you know, who is he kind of reminding me of? And Stromberg from The Spy Who Loved Me is the one that came to mind, where you can mm-hmm. see, okay, they had a great idea for this character. You could see, okay, the actor is giving it his all, but there's just not enough there to really make it memorable. And yeah, I think that in the end, he'd probably fall into, you know, not a worst villain, but if you divide this up among, you know, three tiers, I think he's a bottom tier villain, maybe near the top of the bottom tier, but a bit of a letdown, not, not Brad Whitaker letdown, but yeah, we're, we're die another day would be a good comparison for that. Yeah. It's just, you, you, the one thing I'm not huge on the Craigs, but the one thing you expect from Craigs are, are these big kind of villains. And I feel like Daniel Craig has such chemistry with his villains Mm-hmm. Uh, Christoph Waltz Silver. I mean, yeah. we saw that well, scene with the chair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Le Chief, we saw that scene with the chair. Uh, he doesn't sit in a chair in this movie. That's what yeah, it's missing. This film was missing a chair. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, even Spectre had the chair. So, <laughs> uh, but I felt like Craig and Rami Malik just had zero chemistry in mm. this film. Uh, what about? let's just go through some of the other random characters. Let's group them all in. I mean, the supporting cast of this movie, it was huge. I sort of wondered, okay, how many of these characters are actually going to have a large role and how many are just going to be relegated to like, you know, Oh, this is just a bit part. Um, are you still with me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. You're frozen. Your, your face is completely frozen. <laughs> like, Ooh, I could, just... you're, you're that drunk. <laughs> I'm just so excited. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like some of the other minor characters leaving out, let's leave out Swan because I think the returning Bond girl, something they've never done before. Uh, you have the MI6 people, you have QM, Money Penny, you have the new characters, uh, which I guess the, the two big ones that promote the two big new Bond girls, Nomi, who's already been spoiled, another double O agent uh, in the trailers. <laughs> And kind of, I guess, fills the role of an ally uh, for the most part of this movie. And then Paloma, who's the other Bond girl, who's basically in an evening gown because they want somebody in an evening gown. Uh, what were your thoughts on, I guess, the new characters and the returning ones? Uh, well, firstly, I, I'm curious if I was right, because I made the prediction in my immediate reaction after I got out of the cinema. And I said, uh, Colin is going to love Paloma. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And Jamie did right? too. Okay, good. Jamie good, turned uh, to me. You know, it's funny because uh, Jamie turned to me in the middle of the movie. It's like, okay, we could agree. This girl's great, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I predicted it. I'm like, this is the Mary Goodnight sort of Rosie Carver character. Uh, <laughs> but this, if there's one thing that got universal appeal that maybe you haven't had time to see is people love Paloma. And I love okay. Paloma. Um, but the one thing I disagree with a lot of people is saying people uh, wanted more Paloma, but I, I think less is more. She was a secondary Bond girl and we did our rankings. Maybe yeah. she would have been PB. Um, <laughs> but she, her chemistry was Craig was amazing. She was funny. She was sexy. She had the action. She had charisma, but she served that secondary Bond girl purpose. So I disagree with the assessment that she should have been in it more because I think she perfect, perfectly served 
uh, what she needed to in that in that segment and section. Mm-hmm. And she really brings the fun and uh, kind of exciting kind of Bondy and classic Bond element uh, to this film. And her chemistry with Craig uh, was was amazing. So uh, yeah, universal appeal for Paloma, and I'm up there for her. I think she did an amazing job. Definitely the best of the mm-hmm. kind of secondary Bond girls of the Craig era. Mm-hmm. Maybe the best Bongo outside of best. Yeah. How about the MI6 people, the returnees? Now, I'm not a fan of Bond and Friends. Uh, <laughs> and I think they got it better this time than they did in Spectre. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spectre, there was too much. Ray Fiennes, he, he's gotten the M role now. This was this yeah. was a great M performance. One of the best M performances. Um and still not a fan of Ben Whishaw, and I like Naomi Harris uh, and Rory Kinnear. But I think they served their role better in this film, but it's still a bit too much for me. Uh, too much being involved with everything. But I think in terms of the Craig films, these are the best. Uh, this is the best film for the MI6 crew as a collective. See, I was disappointed by Naomi Harris in this movie just because I feel like there's, there's, yeah, I don't want to go too much. There, there, you don't have a money penny moment like I think we had in the previous movies. Yeah. Uh, and of the returnees, I think she probably has the least to do. Um, I didn't even realize we, we just reviewed Venom too, Jamie and I. And it took me until the end of the movie to realize, oh, that was Naomi Harris. I'm not, was she too tied up with Venom too that she didn't have time? For no time to die. I don't know. Uh, but I, that was the one that disappointed me. I mean, Ray Fiennes, like you said, I mean, he is M. We, when we did on Double uh, 007, if that's what you're listening to, I mean, you don't know why we're oh. identifying the show you listen to. But if you listen to Oz Network, we have a Double Seven. We ranked all the MI6 crew. And, uh, you know, I think we all kind of agreed. Like, Ray Fiennes feels like the guy who was born to play this part. But, yeah, you did have in the previous movies, they're involving him too much in the plot. Uh, this was like a classic M. Um, now with Q, I'm actually curious because uh, th- th- here, here's my take on it. No, we're not getting what you expect Q from any of these movies. We're not getting from what you expect from Q. But I think in all fairness, we've had M's where all the actors were allowed to put their own spin on the characters. And because Desmond Llewellyn was Q for so long, I mean, essentially every movie, we had two with um, uh, John Cleese where he was basically playing Desmond Llewellyn. I don't think we've ever had the opportunity for somebody to come in and make the character their own. So I definitely like what he's doing with the movie. And I think I'm starting to get to the point where I'm getting over, oh, but it doesn't feel like Q because now I'm realizing, well, he's just not doing Desmond Llewellyn. If Desmond Llewellyn had been replaced in Diamonds Are Forever or uh, for your eyes only, would we have had an 80s cue that was also so different from Desmond Llewellyn that it would make Ben Wishaw easier to, to process? Yeah, this is where I, I, this is the one point I think we disagree because I've said it in our MI6 thing. I'm not a fan of this sort of geek jock dynamic. I, I think you can put a different spin on cue but Q should always be better than Bond. And mm. Ben Whishaw's Q seems so unsure about himself and seems so awkward and geeky and uh, like like Craig would bully him in the schoolyard. Uh, so I don't mind a different spin, but at the end of the day, I want Q, even if he's different, to always be better than Bond. Uh, and 
I want you to make the whole audience in the cinema laughing out loud. And there are a few humorous moments, but yeah, still didn't do it for me. But as a collective in the group, he was fine, I think. Uh, Madeline Swans, the returning Bond girl. This was something else. I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it because they've never done it. And often when they haven't done it in the movie, and I spent a lot of this movie thinking, okay, this hasn't really been done in a movie before, but has been done in the books. And I think there's a lot of things with this movie that feel like, oh, this is totally something Ian Fleming did in the books that maybe they mm-hmm. haven't done the movies before. Uh, I thought I'd be more bothered by a returning Bond girl, but without giving away too much, I mean, this movie's handled in a way where it almost doesn't feel like she's a returning Bond girl. Uh, I don't know if I like her portrayal better in this one. I don't know if I like her role better in this one than Inspector. Maybe that is just because Spectre, she fit that traditional Bond girl role. And here it's almost like she's, you know, transferred from being Bond girl to being a, you know, a friend of Bond or MI6 crew or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but still no issues with her in this movie. Um, I just, did we need to have her back? Um, probably. I think this is the one time where it made sense yeah. to have her back, you know, for more, I guess, spoiler free comparisons. Obviously, Honor Majesty's Secret Service is what they were going for in Spectre. Uh, Madeline was a stand-in for Tracy. That's kind of how Spectre ends. Uh, this, it doesn't feel like, okay, well, this is obviously what they did in the books. I mean, this is something they've never really done in the books. But we have had, I think Ben and I talked about that in our last preview episode in 007. Uh, a lot of the books would start with a chapter or so of Bond going on about oh yeah, this is why I'm no longer dating Kiss Tiffany Case. And oh, this is what happened to Tatiana. And oh, she decided to move to America, all these things. So we we get in the book still this, I guess, here's what happened to the other Bond girl. And, and it's sort of like that in this movie. So not something that bothered me as much as I thought it would. Uh, but I still feel like I miss having just that role filled of this is a bond movie and we always have that new bond girl. It's a little bit weird to not have it, but I mean, know me funny. We didn't even talk about know me. Let's fit her in too. the, the new ally double O uh, <laughs> she was fantastic. Uh, I thought that she'd be a little bit more serious. I thought, okay, well they're, they're going to let her kind of be the straight person in this, but from the moment she's introduced in this movie, you're like, they're embracing the James Bond style and the James Bond coolness of like Connor. She's, she's basically playing, I'm not saying she's playing James Bond, people. <laughs> We've all heard that rumor. <laughs> but she's playing that that traditional spy where like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. She is a double O. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, a lot to say on Nomi, but I guess quickly on Madeline. Uh, it's funny because in some ways, in in some ways, I actually think she is better in this film as a character. Really? She was lacking a bit in Spectre as a character. Uh, but that being said, the reason it's funny is because she's also one of my least favorite parts of this film. Mm-hmm. And not that she was bad, but there were just like times when, I, like you, I was kind of missing the new Bond girl, I guess. Um, but I will say that her and Craig have 100% more chemistry in this film than they mm-hmm. did last film. Yeah. Uh, I think many people were not buying the Bond Madeline thing last film, including maybe me. I can buy it in this film, even from the first scenes of the film. Um, so that's one thing they did get right. But 
Yeah, I, I don't dislike Madeline, but I think I agree that I'm missing seeing that new Bond girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nomi is an interesting one because there was a lot of worry about this oh, yeah. character. <laughs> And I don't think we were ever like that concerned as much of other people, but there was this thing of, oh, she's going to be playing 007. It's going to be James Bond goes woke. Uh, all these worries, oh, she's going to take over at the end, um, blah, blah, blah. And I'm glad Ben's not here uh, because, <laughs> <laughs> because Nomi succeeded where Jinx fell on yes. her absolute ass. Yes. <laughs> uh, I I agree. I think Nomi was great. I think there's been mixed opinions on her, but the kind of woke, Bongo's woke issues, it wasn't there. Not and at people all. Are acting even, but even after the film, people are saying, oh, my God, it was so woke. No, none of the worries happened. Mm-hmm. This was not uh, The Rise of Skywalker. This was not a Marvel <laughs> film. None of it was there. She was a flawed character. She was, she uh, had comedy. She had action. She wasn't having these one-liners where, oh my god, I'm a woman, so I'm better than James Bond. The one, the thing that's great about this film, and call me sexist all you want, I don't care. James Bond was always number one. Everyone was playing second fiddle to James Bond because it's a James Bond movie. Uh, and she had amazing chemistry with Craig. She was great in the action sequences, and she was this character that felt very real and very human. She wasn't the Jinx, where Jinx mm-hmm. was having the kind of Ray moments of, oh, my God, I'm better than James Bond. I'm <laughs> I'm going to do all this. Nomi is what Jinx should have been, and I thought she was a great character, honestly. I, d- I don't think any of the woke issues were there at all. I think they handled this as well as they could have better. Like she was a great character. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And and uh, here's the thing. You're going to have people who are always going to be worried. Okay, well, they're trying to make a, you know, female 007. And we've had times where it worked well and we had times where it didn't work. I mean, um, Michelle Yeoh in Tomorrow Never Dies worked. You know, Jinx didn't. Uh, but <laughs> what you said about James Bond gets to be the star. That's the key here. Because there were times in this movie where I was thinking, oh, if this just ends up being a buddy cop film, it's not going to work. But she has moments where she has a really strong presence in this movie. And it's sort of like, a, you know, uh, oh, we got to work together now. And it's like a jinx thing. And then you're like, oh, well, now they're letting her sit for a little while. They're they're letting Bond take center stage. And that's what actually works in the end is the fact they don't overuse her in this movie. You know, I don't feel like I need a spinoff from her. Uh, but I don't feel like I walk away from this like with Jinx where you're like, it was too much because we talk about the dying of the day. I mean, yes, you can have somebody who is taking center stage, who is a female like James Bond, but the times it's done right is where they're not just matching Bond 100%, where Anya and the spy who loved me and Michelle Yeoh, you know, there's certain things that they bring to the table that Bond doesn't and there's certain things Bond brings. In. You have to handle them the same way you would a male ally. And they've never had a male ally that they felt the need to be like, oh, he's a 100% equal James Bond. If they ever do that, then you're lessening James Bond's character, which is what happened in Dying of the Day. And in no way is he less in this movie. If anything, she's there to enhance him. And I think that's what I really loved. Yeah, and she was in a lot less of this film than we kind of thought she would have yeah. been. Um, uh, so that's kind of where it works. This is a huge cast, 
But when everyone shows up, they show up for the right moment and they don't overstay their welcome. Uh, so really no one in the cast is a huge presence in the film. But when they're there, they're there because they should be there, which is mm-hmm. one thing the film does really well, I think. Uh, there's a couple other minor characters we'll talk about more in a, um, uh, a spoiler one. But uh, I just want to quickly uh, put out there, we talked about in our recent 007 ranking the secondary henchmen and ranking the henchmen, how much the Daniel Craig movies have been lacking you know, a good henchman or secondary henchman. And I'm not saying we got like one of the all-time greats in this movie, but I think there's a nice surprise that there's a character in this movie that has a quirk where I'm like, I didn't see that coming, but like this belongs in a Sean Connery or Roger Moore movie. Yeah, the the henchman in this film was not advertised or not brought up at all, right? Like there was a big thing about Dave Bautista being in it. I don't think anyone was expecting a, a henchman to show up and in quite a lot of the film as well mm-hmm. from in a lot of scenes. Um, I agree. Not going to go down as one of the all time great henchmen, but for a Daniel Craig film, this was a really pleasant surprise uh, just as the secondary. Uh, well, we can't go into it too much. Are they a secondary ally? Are they a secondary villain? I'm not yeah. going to spoil it, but but the other character, uh, Valdo, who we knew was going to be in this film, but I don't think anyone expected to have quite the presence that he did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let, let's, again, not spoil too much, but it's almost like a Boris, you know? You're introduced to him and you're like, oh, this is going to be a one scene and he's done kind of, here's a fun, quirky character. And then he just keeps popping up over and over again. And is one of them, he's basically the MacGuffin of this movie. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, the, the the lost ark or the holy grail <laughs> but he just brought so much fun to this film oh, yeah. like if he wasn't there this would be in many ways one of the darker films uh, mm-hmm. and it was such a callback this kind of buffling bumbling sort of scientist guy is like a, a connery or a moore character and i was loving every second of him on screen but this character has got quite a bit of hate online, which blows my mind because to me, he's one of the best kind of secondary characters of the Craig era. I was loving every second on both my watches. So this is, this is where it's interesting because I, I have not had time to really read anybody's reactions. Uh, I basically went to bed within an hour of <laughs> getting home from this last <laughs> night. So uh, I, I wouldn't have expected that there would be any hate for this character. I mean, I could yeah. see when you mention it now, I could see, okay, well, obviously he's, He's a little bit over the top, you know, for the people who want a, you know, Casino Royale up to Spectre style John, uh, James Bond movie. Maybe he would feel a little bit out of place, but he's totally in place in this movie, mostly because the humor in this movie is like we said at the beginning. This is a Pierce Brosnan movie. This is a Roger Moore movie. Not quite as over the top, but I mean, the one liners are, are flying like crazy in this movie. They're corny. They, they make you groan and laugh at the same time. Uh, the, the gadgets that we get in this movie are obviously a little bit more outlandish, but again, they don't make you, you completely roll your eyes like an invisible car. Uh, so much about this movie just embraces that classic style. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to be really curious to read more about people's opinions and see whether those who aren't a fan of uh, the, the Valdo character, the doctor, uh, whatever, uh, are the ones who also aren't fans of classic James Bond and they wanted another Skyfall. 
It, it could be that because this character is straight out of a Connery film or a Moore film. Uh, so it definitely, or even a Brosnan film. I was getting mm-hmm. a bit of uh, a bit of uh, Kaufman even. Oh not, yeah. Not in that he's the same character as what Kaufman is, but just that humor and mm-hmm. just that sort of campiness. Uh, so even a, I could definitely see this character even in Die Another Day. Um, We've brought up a lot of Die Another Day without Ben being on here, but at least we'd have to, at least we'd have to listen to it. Um, yeah, until he inserts it in the Redux version of this episode. <laughs> Just because you said that, you know he's going to do it. Um, he doesn't have a job; he's got time. Um, but yeah, it's like you may be right there. Um, which I haven't seen a lot of criticism or praise but maybe this other character uh logan ash who's the sort of his i guess felix's ally or felix the bond the felix allies rankings the the uh, david but, harbour of this movie yeah yeah that's a good call uh but i think he's a similar one that he brought a lot of sort of he was kind of out of a brosnan film to me yeah. as well and uh I, I haven't read a lot about him, but I thought he really was a surprise. I knew he was going to be in the movie, but he brought a lot of sort of humor and sort of smiles to this film that I wasn't expecting. And I actually thought he was quite a good secondary character too. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's a bad character in this movie. Uh, I mean, I think that's one of my yeah. disappointments with Safin is that it's not that he's bad. It's just one of the problems is that everybody else, I, uh, I don't, I think, yeah, I think Ben and I did a review of Black Widow. Uh, I don't know if you saw Black Widow, but my opinion of that movie, at least Scarlett Johansson was very tainted just from the fact that everybody else in that movie was so good that she just felt like she was lackluster. It wasn't necessarily, there was anything wrong with her. It's just everything, everybody else blew her away. And maybe that's kind of a similar thing in this with Rami Malek. It's just everybody else. He is There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, it's funny that if we normally do a review, we're not going to cover all these different bases, but because it's a James Bond movie and we've covered every single one multiple times over, uh, we got to touch all these. Yeah, exactly. It's been six years and it's been a whole week for Noah. That, that whole week was probably more painful than the six years. Uh, the song we were not high on going into this movie. I think Ben and I talked about it. I'm sure you did as well uh, on our last preview episode that we did. For 007, that is. Uh, if you're listening to the Oz Network, go listen to our last preview of <laughs> No Time to Die, now that you've seen the movie. Uh, but I don't think any of us were high on that song. I know Ben had asked me, you know, has the song improved for you? He said it improved from it. It had not improved for me at all listening to it. Uh, I'm not going to say the song improves. I'm never going to go out of my way to listen to this. But it's definitely better than Writings on the Wall. Having said that, Writings on the Wall was enhanced by the title sequence. And I don't feel like the title sequence helps this song anyway. I don't feel like this song helps the title sequence. They feel mismatched. For one of the first times ever in a Bond movie, I think the song and the title sequence feel like a mismatch here. Uh, But I will say I can accept this song more now having seen, okay, how it plays into an opening credits and how it just plays with the flow of a movie because now it sort of sits in that area of Moonraker or You Only Live Twice for Me. It's like, yes, it's a very boring song. Yes, they should have done something that was bigger and better, but it, it it's at least in the style of the more boring Bond themes, not a worst of all time. And what did you think of the title sequence? The, well, the sequence itself, it had some cool things, but it was almost too many things. Like 
the first half of it where you know you just had the the great graphics and everything i thought that was cool when they started doing the thing it, it looked incredible we get a part without giving away too many let's see spoiler free title sequence review here um where the <laughs> second half sort of transitioned to these weird ways of presenting the characters again i thought it looked cool but it was like it was almost like two separate title sequences crammed together if you edited together the title sequence of golden eye and tomorrow never dies yeah uh well on the song i agree it's not improved <laughs> but <laughs> But, 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 but I do think in the score, it worked. There were a few oh, times yeah. in the score that they played the instrumental. Then I'm like, oh, yeah, this is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in hindsight, with the film, maybe the lyrics can make a bit more sense. But I, I, and I completely agree, the mismatch. Like, uh, where's uh, Sunshine Lollipop? <laughs> <laughs> we need to do that now for this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I've seen the film twice and I still don't know what I think about the title sequence. Uh, I appreciate that they've done something a bit different. I love the colors of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it's going to go down. Uh, I think like writings on oh, Spectre and Casino Royale knock it out of the park. So mm-hmm. maybe it's not quantum of solace level. Um, I appreciate they did something new and this isn't really a spoiler, but we should point out this film, not just the title sequence, this film almost could be the 50th anniversary because it makes a ton of references oh, to yeah. to other Bond films. Like, I think even as the days go on, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, there was actually a reference to this film too mm-hmm. in it. Um, so, so I'm still thinking of references. Uh, so as a Bond fan, uh, there was a lot of fan service and in the title sequence that there were a lot of times I was just smiling under my mask watching this film um and the title sequence did I don't mind for fan service when it comes to Bond I think that they did it better here than Die Another Day yeah um and Quantum of Solace so, which kind of tried the same thing yeah and failed miserably so <laughs> there was a lot of fan service or not even fan service callbacks that I loved, um, and the title sequence had some things that which we can't go fully into, uh, but I was enjoying some of the references to past Bond films, but at the same time, some of the stuff they did, I'm like, they've done this in Craig title sequences in the past. They're repeating mm-hmm. themselves, yeah, flashbacks and things and whatnot. Well, that itself is a callback, because the Roger Moore title sequences were all pretty much the same one. <laughs> we're going to use the same cardboard <laughs> cutout of Roger Moore <laughs> again for the third movie in a row. <laughs> Very meta, this film. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't want to go too in-depth to what is included in it, but the pre-title sequence, if we're going to give one spoiler away, let's just warn people. This is a long pre-title sequence. I mean, it, it basically falls into the world is not enough category, where I, I'm, yeah. I'm really curious when the commentary comes out, if they're going to say, like with the world is not enough, we had a pre-title sequence, and then we realized, no, we need more of this. So we tacked on the first sequence of the movie, and presented that because this is two separate pre-title sequences sort of combined um i uh, this is one thing i'm going to need more time to and more viewings to really wrap my head around you know does this work as a pre-title sequence because it is a lot going on and it's really two separate things originally i was thinking you know you probably could have cut out the first part and just gone with the second but then parts of the movie come up later on like oh no no i see why you included that first part and then other times i'm thinking well you could have included the first sequence and then done the titles but i i don't know it's 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 a lot though i mean think world is not enough and then add a couple extra minutes 
Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, wow, this has gone on a long time. Are, we Are they going to have the titles? titles? <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking that for a while. Uh, yeah, I agree. I still don't know how I feel. I almost think they could have just went with the the first part of it and it probably would have been considered one of the weakest type sequences, but it would have made logical sort of mm-hmm sort of sense uh because we get some new things in this film throughout that we've never seen in bond before they're they're doing new things um but at the same time the some of the stuff that we did get and i don't think it could ever really be ranked the best because it is so long but some of the stuff we get is amazing like some of the sequences in this pre-title is classic bond not even classic bond bond at its best like Mm -hmm. i'm not saying this movie peaked in the beginning but some of the best moments are from the pre-title sequence Mm -hmm. yeah i think especially stunt work and action uh i think i was expecting maybe because we had such action heavy movies uh in this craig era that we were going to get like a super action heavy movie i wouldn't say it's super action heavy i feel like they 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 pick the Mm -hmm. right spots to have their major sequences but they go all out almost like skyfall they go all out at the opening of this movie where like you said it's not that you walk away thinking like oh it peaked early on but if you just want like the fun incredible stunts and all that i mean they they decided we're going to take what you typically get at the beginning of a bond movie and then again, we're going to add another five minutes. So there's where the running time thing comes in this movie. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it's going to be really tough to rank this as a pre-title sequence at any point in the future. Uh, maybe uh, if once we've had a couple more viewings, it'll be easier to do. Because you can also group that in with, like you said, World is Not Enough um, uh, or Live and Let Die is another one. We have about four or five pre-title sequences included in one. So again, maybe that is another unintentional callback. If you look at a lot of the Roger Moore movies, you know, you have uh, Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker where you have multiple things going on at once. But this one is definitely a little bit different. But I mean, as far as how the story goes, I mean, I loved it where it took the story. I think it was the right setup of the story. It's just, it's almost like they wrote this movie, didn't think about a pre-title sequence. Then they're like, oh, wait, we need a pre-title sequence. This movie's already two hours and 43 minutes. All right, just chop it here. It on. Yeah. Yeah. I will say on a second watch, knowing what happens, the pre-title does play better. Mm. Uh knowing, okay, the little beats that it needs to hit. Um, and can I just say it was such a joy watching a Bond film for the first time in six years where I don't know what's gonna happen. There yeah. were so many times where I was tense, there were so many times I was just smiling because I was so happy to be there. <laughs> and and you get to the end of the pre-title sequence and you think, well, what's going to happen in this film? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I agree, it perfectly sets it up. But even up until the last minute, I was just having a blast. Just watching a Bond film where I don't know what's going to happen uh, was just so much fun. I also uh, uh, won't get into it on this episode, but um, did you pick out as many of the things from the books as I did? Uh, I get little nods like, yeah. I, I thought one or two things and i know in the the no time to die podcast they alluded towards oh yeah we use things from multiple they even mentioned these books and these books but now i was picking things out that i didn't even expect i was going to get you know things with how the story played where obviously they're taking this from a book tons of this is what i was saying in the beginning like i don't know how you feel but i felt like at times i'm watching an ian fleming novel on screen in some ways even more so than casino royale yeah, uh, that was a big surprise that they kind of went so in on some of the Fleming stuff. 
And you know me, I'm all use up the Fleming stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm on that on that train. Uh, how have we got 25 films in and we're still not used all the Fleming stuff? Um, but if I'm being fair, I'm not. I don't think all of it worked for me. Uh, mm -hmm. So I like that they used some Fleming stuff, and I agree, it was a surprise to see so much of it there. But I don't think all of it worked. Um, and and I do wish. Craig in this film gave a great performance. Oh, yeah. um, but at the same time, we're getting to Skyfall and there's this Bond uh, who's, you know, at the end of his run and blah, blah, blah. And I, even though he's a bit slower and a bit heavier and whatnot in this film, I, I feel like they could have played up what they do in the Fleming books towards the end of the Fleming books where Bond is that sort of out of shape almost out of the game sort of thing. So even though Craig really did give a good performance, I wish they had played up this sort of uh, aging Bond thing, which they did in Skyfall, but suddenly in this film, even though, you know, we a lot of time has passed and we have all this stuff going on with time, no time to die, uh, I, I don't feel like they were playing up this sort of bond out of his game sort of thing and that is one aspect of the Fleming books I wish that they did play up because as it seeing as it is Craig's final final bond film I have a theory on because I, I agree with you on that I was thinking you know it is a little bit weird that as far as the timeline of these movies go five or six years earlier let's say in Skyfall he was this wrecked agent whose hands shook and you know uh, they had that famous sequence where uh you know, they ran through all of his faults <laughs> uh i'm very familiar with my shortcomings sir <laughs> but uh but i have a theory as to why that's not done this movie which we will talk about off air and then uh, you know, save it for our spoiler episode which will be coming whenever ben can actually bother to watch this movie ben come on uh, or if we just spoil it for him yeah, let's just spoil it now, Ben. Um, James Bond's actually a woman himself. Uh, no. <laughs> but uh, no, I think that there's a, there's a good reason why they didn't go that route. And in a weird way, as much as it was sort of distracting about a halfway point in the movie, I sort of accepted it in a way that I love for the second half um, because we're getting kind of a fresh new character and the way that Spectre ends leading to this movie, you also would accept that we're getting a different type of Bond character. Uh, Daniel Craig looks older in this movie. Um, yeah. you know, uh, Jamie didn't mind, uh, seeing this on IMAX, uh, I think the bathing suit scenes, she definitely got a reaction still. So the age, uh, has not hit him too hard, but what you said, we, we mentioned in Skyfall, how much they took from, I think it really started around th the Thunderball time. Cause that was, um, the plot in Thunderball, which in the movie, of course, is presented like here, we're treating you to a spa weekend. And in the book, it's like, hey, we're sending you to a detox facility. Uh, I never say never again, got it right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, th that's such a big part of those later books. But there are other things from the books that they included in there where I think I I got you know why they didn't go this direction. But uh, more for that later. Uh, as far as Craig's performance, I, mean, I guess that was really just the last thing to, to touch on because I mean, he has said this is his final movie. Uh, everybody else has said is final. They're celebrating this as the final movie for him. Uh, he is having the time of his life. And I know we sort of joked about how much is he having the time of his life in the press for this movie, or is he just so happy that it's over now that I've seen this movie, I believe he's having the time of his life. And um, did you have a chance to watch that Amazon? Or I think you were the first one who saw that Amazon documentary with him, Barbara oh, yeah. Broccoli and Mike Wilson. 
yeah, like they really go into detail about the wrist slitting thing and they put into context <laughs> what a bad experience Spectre was. Not that he didn't want to be there, but like anybody under those circumstances probably would have been willing to hang it up. And if anything motivated him to come back, I think is just that he wanted to go out on a positive note. He wanted to have a good experience. And I fully buy that he's having the time of his life making this movie. I feel like he's, he's nailing the action. He's nailing the humor. Uh, he's looking at, he's having fun. His chemistry with pretty much everybody, but Rami Malek in this movie you know, is off the charts. Good. Uh, I, I, I'm definitely a bigger Craig fan than you and Ben are. Uh, I think I went yeah. into Craig being cast in this movie, a fan of Daniel Craig, which sort of helped where I was excited because I knew who he was and I could see where he was going to go with this character by the time Casino Royale came out. Uh, but I can also see some of your complaints about, well, we never really got this. I'm, I'm really curious if, if at least you're turned around enough where Daniel Craig, maybe he's not going to be bumped up. Ben kind of gave his logics to why Daniel Craig will never be a top Bond for him, even if this is the greatest performance anybody's ever had as a Bond. But he's just, he is a traditional Bond finally in this movie in the same way that uh, Ben and I at least talked about with Henry Cavill. Uh, they sort of waited. They had a three film arc before he got to be what Superman was. And before that, it's like, this is the prequel to Superman. I feel like he is James Bond now. And I've never been happier for Daniel Craig than to see that this is how he gets to go out. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm probably, I don't, I haven't heard Ben's argument, but I'm probably the same. He's not going to move up for me, but at the same time, I really did enjoy watching him here. And I would say he's moved up for me, but not above another bond. Just moved up, in my opinion, on him. Mm -hmm. uh, but he he did give a really strong before. I still don't think he can do the humor great. Um, some of it was okay. You're going to hate me for saying this. I was kind of getting uh, Diamonds Are Forever vibes here. Of sort of an older bond who's back for one last one and just having fun with it. Um, because you can tell watching this, he knows it's the end. It, he knows it's going to be the last one. Um, there are some people online saying that Daniel Craig is going to be back. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. That's just my uh, the way the press has been going on this film. Uh, it's definitely his last one, the way he's been talking about it. Um, but pure speculation from me, I feel like Daniel Craig had a lot to do with this script and probably had a lot to do with kind of Bond's final, uh, the way it ends, I guess, mm -hmm. the end for his Bond character. Pure speculation, but I feel like Daniel Craig probably had a lot to do with a lot of this film, and he seems to be enjoying it, not just in the press, but in his performance. So I'm glad, in a way, he did come back for one more after Spectre, so he could go out on his terms. And I, I think it's an admiral, good sort of, wrap up for for craig's bond and it was emotional and i enjoyed his performance even though he's one of my least favorite bonds i will definitely give him props for this film it also it kind of makes me more curious but i know i'm not a timothy dalton fan but it makes me more curious <laughs> to see where dalton could have gone because uh ben now has the book and i know i have really promoted it to both of you the the unpublished or i guess the unadapted <laughs> James Bond, where, where they run through what the script was and it would have been like, it would make Die Another Day look subtle. Uh, I'm curious if Dalton could have been a uh, Craig because as much as I love Daniel Craig, I mean, you know, 
he, he's grown into this humor. <laughs> he, he's definitely mm. more comfortable within this one. And uh, I, I love the humor. and I loved his delivery. There are a couple where, like you said, it's sort of like, ah, you know, Roger Moore would have done that one better. But uh, I think anybody, Lazenby, Dalton, anybody, you give them five movies and you give them the right script, they're going to nail it at some point. So a uh, little bit of Timothy Dalton credit there uh, on double seven doing the Dalton. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, on double seven, which is what you're listening to right now. If you're listening to double seven, and if you're not go listen to double seven, because we have ranked all these movies before uh, I have not finished my updated rankings. Cause we're very slowly working our way through it much slower than I thought we would. Thank you, Jamie. But uh, do you have kind of a general idea where you would put this doesn't have to be an exact number, but a range. Yeah, I've thought a lot about this because I've seen it twice now. Uh, I still think it's too early to really rank this film. And, I mean, we're, we've given it a lot of praise. I don't love everything about this film. Um, and it definitely needs time to sit a bit. Um, but to me, it blows Quantum of Solace out the water. And people are saying, a lot of people online are saying Quantum of Solace is better, which is just ridiculous. Um but I, at the same time, and I'm curious when we all do our spoilers and everything, if people agree with me or not, but I I just don't think this can be a top 10 Bond film. Um, so it's, it, it's nowhere near the bottom for me. Uh, but the 10 that I love the best, I just feel like are such classics and I love them so much that I could never see this being... Uh, a 10 um but just maybe it's easier to rank it amongst the craigs because i i'm not ready to rank it amongst all of them i would say casino royale is a better film i would say skyfall has a potential to be better i would say this is probably better than spectre and it's definitely better than quantum of solace so if i had to give sort of a ballpark i'm i'm putting it maybe below Spectre uh, below Skyfall and Casino Royale, but above the other two. Uh, but that's sort of just a, it's way too early, but <laughs> overall in the middle somewhere, I would say. I'm really calling it Ben is the problem uh, on any disagreements we have on the show, because not only do I, I, we will have evidence when we eventually play this, um, I guess in our spoiler episode, because we, we all recorded our initial reactions minutes yeah. after walking on I mean, for me literally minutes like i basically told jamie hit record on my phone hold the phone up to my mouth i'm driving home uh and <laughs> one of the things i said which she was surprised at uh, because i did seem to be very high in the movie is i said to me this is not a top 10 is it going to be just outside the top 10 i don't know but i don't see any world where this will ever be a top 10 movie for me so literally the exact same thing you said uh <laughs> it's better than specter it's better than quantum i don't think anything will shake that i i, I also know with specter I finished that movie and was higher on it than I would ever be after that second viewing, third viewing, mm -hmm. whatever, six years later. Uh, it's all, it's gone down for me significantly since then. Uh, but I can tell you right now, especially having gone through Spectre where I did enjoy it more the first time and then found more problems as it went along. Uh, I'm 100% confident that this is going to be a movie that will probably go the opposite direction. It's never going to go so far in the opposite direction where this is going to be a top five movie for me. It probably will never even be a top 10. But I at least get the feeling that when I see this a second time, I'm going to appreciate it more as opposed to Spectre, where when I saw it a second time, I appreciate it less. Now, 
it's it's a month before Ben actually sees this film, and I, I in the last week I've been racking my brain trying to think what you guys will think of it, and I can't make up my mind. I think Ben Waterworth is either gonna love this film. <laughs> Or he's going to come out, and I think he might be the one saying that this is a close-to-the-bottom Bond film. I, I don't yeah. know. Can you make a prediction? Well, I, I would prepare myself because I thought if anybody's going to take issue with this movie, it might be Ben. Uh, and I'm not just <laughs> saying that because he he ranked Die Another Day and Spectre in his top five, I think. <laughs> but, and uh, License to Kill. And License to Kill. Like, oh, he's checking all the boxes here. Uh, but I think Ben also reacts more negatively to some of the things that like we said will be devised in this movie and there are multiple things he'll take some mm-hmm. things very personally but um i'm hopeful that he's going to at least say oh you know i enjoyed it it's somewhere around the middle but he is the one that i was definitely more worried about is going to take some offense with this movie there's our prediction Again, <laughs> I, I i yeah i think i agree um but there is a lot that in this film I think Ben will like, but there's some things that we can't talk about on this yeah. episode that I think, uh, and I still don't even really know your opinion on, but there are some things that I think could be could do it in for Ben and he might join those people who are saying this is a bottom film for those and, reasons that we can't you know, talk about. If you're those other people out there, I just want you to think about the fact that Ben Waterworth might agree with you. This man <laughs> loves Die Another Day. He played the theme song for Die Another Day a hundred times in a single episode once, just to bother us. Uh, so I this hope you're people. Yeah, I hope you're happy with the company you're sharing, you people. Uh, <laughs> is this pretty much a given? We're both buying it. Yeah, I am buying this film. Such a joy to be back in the cinema watching Bond. And there are issues, but there's so much to love in this film as well. So it's a buy for me. And you're already planning to see it a third time, you were saying. Yeah, I think, especially given the wait before our big uh, <laughs> big rea- reaction episode. But yeah, I saw it a second time and it definitely some parts weakened. But then even a few days later, I'm like, oh, there's so many scenes I do want to see again. Um, so yeah, I think I'll see it one more time in the cinema uh, for sure. I'm assuming you'll see it as, at least a second time. Yeah, you know, I had already determined I wanted to see it a second time, maybe a third time, because uh, it's been so long. So I didn't even realize until we were right uh, before the movie started. I was saying to Jamie, I'm like, we've seen a ton of movies over the last year at various times that movie theaters have been open here. But typically we're just seeing it because, oh, movie theaters are open. I want to take advantage of this before. I don't think I would have rushed out to see Venom 2 if it wasn't for the fact that there's <laughs> nothing else out there. And we have nothing else we can do in this world still. But um <laughs> As far as how long it's been since there's a movie I was... Most of the movies I've been really excited about since this pandemic started are the ones that didn't get to play in theaters, you know? Uh, King Kong and Godzilla, Wonder Woman. So Rise of Skywalker might have been the last time I was this excited to see a movie where I knew I'm going to want to see this a second time. Now, Rise of Skywalker, I saw it a second time and I still have not seen it a third. Uh, but this I'm <laughs> confident I'll see it because I want to experience everything like we were sort of mentioning this is being released. It's the first Bond movie being released in 3D as well. I'm sure it's going to look like garbage, but I want to be able to say I've seen a James Bond movie in 3D. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they call it the same thing there, but do you have uh it's called D box here. It's basically like the motion seats. Oh yeah. No, I don't think we have that. 
you, you describe it to people and it's most people say like, oh, that sounds awful, but it's actually really cool because you have a seat that will do motion and everything along with the movie, but it's not just, you know, gun gunshots in your seats, like, like shaking like that. I, there are things where if a car is moving, your seat, your, your chair will slowly go back with the motion of the car. And if they hit the brakes, it's kind of jolt. nothing so rough where it actually nauseates you. But I'm like, I want to experience in D box. And you know, then I just want to see and in bed. Yeah, exactly. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to, we, we've, we've used our opportunity to rip into Ben quite a lot, uh, but I want, <laughs> which, which is our God given right. But uh, I, I want to give him a bit of credit because I guess he sort of coined this sort of phrase in our final, final preview episode of when we were doing the rankings, he kind of went on this thing of, most Bond films, even the lower ones, are just better than most films. Uh, yeah, like almost all these Bond films, you you would watch even the crappy ones. You would watch <laughs> over other films, and uh, and the way he put that, I really agreed with, and I think it apply applies here so well that I was watching this, and yes, there are a lot of flaws that we haven't really even talked about. But just watching it, the the level of dedication into this film, the production, everything about it feels big and feels like a spectacle. And I said to you guys, I'm so glad they didn't release this on streaming. Uh, mm. This needs to be seen in the cinema. Yeah. Uh, so I think Ben nailed it. If this film has issues, but it's still so much better than anything that's come out in the last few years in just spectacle alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this is a theatrical experience. Uh, and I'm glad that they not only said we're reserving this for theatrical only, but that even in the future, James Bond movies, forget that Amazon owns us, these aren't going straight to Prime. Because uh, these movies, they do go above and beyond with the action sequences, with real locations, with real stunts and all that. Uh, and just the scale of movies. I mean, this is a franchise has been around forever. Uh, I'll also give Ben credit here because I quoted what Ben said as we were getting ready for this. She goes, are you worried that this movie's going to suck? Like we're five minutes away from starting. I'm like, no, Um, like, because I I said, I was even mentioning to Ben that License to Kill, Die Another Day. Those are like by far the weakest Bond films for me. Those are the ones that when I'm doing a rewatch, every once in a while, I might skip them, but I can still say I've seen those movies a dozen times or more. Uh, you know, the worst Bond movies, there's still something so big and spectacular about them. You have to watch it. And I thought I'd always feel that way about Star Wars because uh, uh, James Bond's always been number two for me. Star Wars is number one. But like I said, yeah. two years later, I'm still trying to get up the nerve to watch The Rise of Skywalker again. I'm not there yet. <laughs> I still haven't watched The Last Jedi again. <laughs> Forget about The Rise of Skywalker. I still need to get through episode eight again. <laughs> But yeah, this is not this is not a challenge to do it. One other thing I just want to quickly add, this is not going to be a complete spoiler, uh, but uh, all I'm going to say is I understand them waiting for this movie, not just because of opening theaters, but there is something in this movie that I feel like, <laughs> had you released this even six months <laughs> yeah. earlier in a pandemic time, might not have gone over so well. So give them a little bit more credit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's no virus, but there, there's some dodgy. You'll get some pandemic. Yeah, you'll get it. Oh, that's a little bit topical. Uh, I understand <laughs> yeah. why they didn't want to release it in the first place, but uh, there we go. We'll be back though. Uh, Ben will return in <laughs> No Time to Die spoiler <laughs> review, uh, which I don't know if we're going to release that on the Oz Network. Maybe we'll just leave this as a teaser. 
if you're listening on the Oz Network on Double Oz 7, we'll do a spoiler review as well, which will happen when Australia becomes the last country in the world to get this movie, hopefully in another month. Uh, and then well, things are going badly there at the moment, so it could be longer for uh, I hope I, I actually genuinely feel I, we've both teased him a little bit. Uh, I even told him, I think last week, um, like I'm already making plans that our title for this episode is me no time for Ben, uh, which I'm not going <laughs> to do that because I genuinely do feel bad because I imagine if I was the one who had to wait an extra month, like it would kill me. So <laughs> I, I feel for him. But then at the same time, he's got license to kill die another day and specter in his top five think, so. on himself. this is yeah this, this is the pandemic giving it to you for you, you they're ruining it the whole country just because of ben waterworth's opinions <laughs> uh, but we're gonna have that and plus we also do full recaps of all the bond movies which we're gonna do when the blu-ray release comes out which i've heard they're planning for christmas blu-ray release of this movie oh really so yeah, it might be even sooner. I mean, Ben may even just wait, be able to see it there and not even, they cancel yeah, it for an extra couple weeks. Blu-ray. Yeah, there you go. You're going to be able to get it. Uh, and then we also do commentaries, which we'll eventually get to because this is the only one we haven't done a commentary for yet. So lots more of James Bond stuff. And uh, I'm not even going to tease the other crap we have coming out because none of it compares to No Time to Die. This is uh, the main event of 2021. <laughs> Unless I finally I'm, saw the damn thing. Maybe Bond 26 is already filmed and in the can, and we're going to be getting Idris Elba before Christmas. Who knows? <laughs> uh, take it. Thank you for joining us, everybody, on the Oz Network and 007. Check out our other shows. If you want to hear more James Bond, then check out 007. If you want to hear us review Venom, Let There Be Carnage from a week ago, check out the Oz Network. Uh, my name is Colin, and one day I'm going to put Ebola in your tea. Uh, and my name is Noah and it's just so good to be back thanks for downloading this episode from the Oz Network make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts Spotify Stitcher Google Podcasts or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider and while you're there please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback you can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show as well as find out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook Twitter and Instagram as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net thanks once again for listening and we'll speak to you next time